We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. out there i am your host nathan powell and this is the dynasty tradecast on roto viz radio brought to you by the blue wire network week seven week seven is in the books we are i i would say we're almost halfway down with the season but the season's like now like 30 weeks so <laughs> we're you know a quarter of the way through the season basically um, you know, week seven is in the books, and this evening I am joined by the one, the only, Daniel Sane Yo. How's it going, Dan? It's it's going. We're we're approaching that midway point. We still have, like you mentioned, about fifteen weeks before we hit the midway point of said said season. Now that has too many weeks in it, but a lot of stories, a lot of developments. Uh, strangely enough, a lot of kind of interesting quarterback news, which I know we'll be touching on a little bit tonight. Some shakeups in the wide receiver ranks, uh, all all sorts of stuff. So it's it's been an interesting and brutal season, especially for those folks that happen to have soft tissue, uh, because it seems like it's affected everybody this year. Uh, it's weird how no training camp or OTAs or anything leads to everyone not having any soft tissue anymore. So uh, that's not great. Maybe we go back to the old way. All righty, let's get into the show this evening. We're recording on Tuesday, and the big NFL news of Tuesday has been that the Houston Chronicle is reporting that the Houston Texans and Miami Dolphins have agreed to a trade of Deshaun Watson's and Miami Dolphins pending 
the results of Roger Goodell's investigation. This is the dumbest announcement I have ever heard in my entire life. They could have made this announcement seven months ago. Like, we've known this entire time that this trade was going to happen as soon as the investigation shook out, as long as it didn't shake out in basically Deshaun Watson's career ending. Do you think that today slash, you know, the last week or so is movement towards this trade actually happening? Or do you think this is more of just like posturing, waiting for, you know, this news to even happen? The craziest part about all this is that the NFL has come out and basically said that if Deshaun Watson wanted to play next week, he'd play. I'm not sure how much I believe that, but, you know, I think they kind of have to stick by it for ne- by it for now. So, like, if Deshaun Watson gets traded on Thursday, does he play for the Dolphins? Probably not, you know, this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Like, who knows? So, I guess the main question is, with this piece of news, do you think that Deshaun Watson has any chance of playing in 2021? I mean, I think so. I think they've made it pretty clear that they're not going to put him on the commissioner's list unless uh, something substantial is brought about and he's charged. Um, they're, they've made it pretty clear they're not going to do it. So I I don't see a way where if he is moved, which it sounds like he will be probably close to the deadline, if not on the deadline, to make sure everything's worked out, to make sure. Which is have- next Tuesday, right? Uh, the second, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, November 2nd. So it's, it's interesting. There was a while there where I wasn't necessarily sure that Miami was interested in Deshaun and it was Deshaun interested in Miami because the only news we ever heard was that was where Watson wanted to go. And then Miami over the last, however many, well, not however many years, the last couple of years, you know, they bring in Tua, they make the moves to kind of build around Tua and, and get the offense going that way. So it it kind of didn't make sense because they probably could have made this happen with that draft capital that they spent to get Tua. Uh, obviously, the news for Deshaun Watson changed a lot of things and his price tag dropped substantially. So now it, it'll probably be interesting to see if A, Tua goes back to Houston or B, if there's a third team involved because we keep hearing about a third team, but no one's really clear on it. We keep hearing about like Carolina and Washington and, you know, all of these different teams. And well, now it's, well, who's going to end up with Deshaun? Who's going to end up with Tua? So we assume Deshaun goes Miami. Tua goes either probably Carolina, maybe Washington. uh, Or Houston. Or, you know, there's an outside chance he goes back to Houston. Um, The same guy that broke this story is the same one that, has pretty much said Houston doesn't really have any interest in Tua, uh, but they also are running with Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, sorry. So I, I don't know what to believe. It's it's a like you mentioned right away. There's so much posturing. Uh, people just want to try to be, be the first person to break news without whether it's wrong or right. They don't really care. So um, I do believe this this report from John McClain. I, I know he's uh, been hot and cold on on some topics and. I know like a few months ago, he said there's a better chance that he's writing for like the Miami Dolphins uh, and, and versus to um, Deshaun being traded. And but now here we are, uh, however many months, maybe a year later, um, and he's on the brink of being traded. Yeah, I as as we know, through my dynasty process, my, my talk on this podcast, I tend to be a little bit more cautious with the off the field stuff. I wasn't buying Tyree kill when he had the hot water a couple years ago. Um, 
I, I generally don't go out of my way to buy these off-field guys, especially non-drug type off-field guys, because the drug stuff, I mean, yes, Josh Gordon has had this, you know, long, crazy career of coming and leaving, coming and leaving, coming and leaving. But in terms of, like, non-drug offenses, like, there's a pretty, like, strong, like, correlation of guys who have those type of incidents and guys who never play again. Um, so I still think, I mean, it's crazy that I think that there is a possibility that Deshaun Watson plays in two weeks. And I still think there's a possibility that Deshaun Watson never puts on a uniform again. Uh, so the, my, my main takeaway from, you know, this news is that I think that this is going to, with the trade deadline and with, you know, how this news is coming out, this is going to put the ball in Roger Goodell's court because the, the, the Dolphins and Texans are saying, we'll do this deal right now. Like if, if you, you know, say like at this time, there's nothing that, that will lead us to suspend Deshaun Watson, or maybe at this time we've decided we're going to suspend Deshaun Watson for only the remainder of 2021. He can play week one, 2022. Like if something like that happens, this trade happens tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think a lot would have to go off the path we're currently on for Deshaun Watson to be suspended in any manner. Everything has been kind of progressing towards him kind of being free and clear of all this. Obviously, when you have so many different people accusing one person of the same thing, usually wherever there's smoke, there's fight, there's fire. But if there was any real fire, I guess not that not to like downplay anything that's happening, but if he was going to be in trouble, he would be in trouble. We wouldn't be waiting still to find out how much trouble he's going to be in. This would all be all over the news. It'd be all over for him. He would be done. But I'm getting the sense he's going to be playing sooner rather than later. And and with that, my question becomes, even with the outside chance, he's, he like you said, never plays again or plays in two weeks. Where do we rank him? Is he in that mix with, with Trey Lance and Justin Fields, uh, Jalen Hurts? Or is he still solidified because of how good he is in that Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert mix just ahead of maybe like your Joe Burrows and Trevor Lawrence's? Yeah, I mean, I'm still not sending offers, as as I've said over and over. I'm not sending offers to Sean Watson. But if I'm if I'm doing a startup right now and I, I, I probably still wouldn't end up getting him, I would probably take him like QB 12 to 14 because okay. that is the price tag that. If he is a top five quarterback, I'm set for many years. If he never shows up again, my team isn't sank. Yes, it's hard to lose a third, fourth round, nice startup pick in a super flex league. But like you're not like in an instant rebuild just because you lost to Sean Watson if he never plays again. Yeah, absolutely. I think and honestly, that that QB 12 could end up being like a second round pick the way QBs have been going in a lot of these super flex drafts. So it's a tough spot, uh, obviously. Once we have a little more clarity as to what's happening, where he's going, obviously it sounds like Miami, uh, but there's a couple of other teams in play, I, I would assume at this point. Before we move on, or maybe this is just a nice transition into uh, Tua Vialoa. what does this mean for Tua? Is this, do we assume he's just, a, it's a one-for-one one or a Tua and something for Watson deal back to Houston? Do we believe a third team is in play? And what does that mean for Tua? Because he's just starting to get the grip on this NFL thing as a Miami Dolphin. And he's been playing pretty well of late. So a change of scenery normally doesn't go well early in careers. Uh, you know, fresh start, quote unquote, is is good for someone that is struggling. But we're seeing Tua kind of shine here. 
So what are we supposed to do with Tua? Yeah, with Tua, what still worries me is that he still has one to two plays a game where you're like, that guy's an NFL starting quarterback? That guy's going to be the franchise quarterback for 10 years? Like, he has one to two of those that are just back-breaking bad-type plays. And th- this past week, we saw his first career four-pass four, four touchdown game. And we saw some of his, you know, during his rookie season, his big the big complaint was he doesn't take enough chances. He doesn't make the big plays. And this past week, even though um, they you know ended up losing with Matt Ryan driving down the field, 291 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, 29 rushing yards, pretty good too. So putting up the numbers this past week, I I do still think that his ceiling clearly his ceiling hasn't been unlocked yet, but I still think his ceiling is very unlockable. Um, whether it's Houston or Carolina or Washington, wherever it is, I think that his range of outcomes is still a top five quarterback. I mean, if we're talking about two or Watson straight up, I'd still take two. I'm still that afraid of the Watson thing, but it's a lot closer than it was one to two months ago. Sure. And honestly, I'm probably taking Watson just because I fear, I, I fear it's Washington for Tua um, or, you know, if it's Carolina, awesome. Uh, you've got the weapons, you got everything you need. You have a, a, a what should be a strong offense that is run by the Lego man himself. Uh, when, and you mentioned Dua has one or two plays a game where it's like, how is this guy in the NFL? Uh, on the flip side, Sam Darnold has one or two games a, pl- a, a, a week that it's like, hey, he looks like an NFL quarterback. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think I would love for Tua to be in Carolina, but I, I just I fear it's going to end up being a Washington deal as a, as a third team. But if it's back to Houston, even that might be worst case scenario altogether, because that team is absolutely horrendous and they have no weapons and no protection and but no they, nothing. But they will have the draft capital because they'll finally have their own picks back and they'll have whatever Miami is sending them. Uh, so. We'll see what that is. And of course, the one of the crazier parts of all of this is that in the three to twelve to six move, Miami gave up their own first, and now their own first is looking super early because they were as confident in themselves as I was confident in them before the season. Hey, I wasn't gonna bring that up, but I'm I'm glad that you did because let's be honest, even if everything went well, that was a terrible pick. <laughs> Speaking of terrible picks, the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, not a terrible NFL draft pick, but he is a terrible pick to be the quarterback of the future, the future starter for the Philadelphia Eagles. He has been, he is the only quarterback on the season to be a QB1 in each and every single week. He is probably also, I don't have this in front of me, he's probably also the only QB1 who was like a QB32 before halftime of each and every single one of those games. I have never, like, I I know we see this with Russian quarterbacks. I know that we see this in fantasy football. I have never been more sure of this guy's losing their, losing his job is going to ruin his fantasy career. Like he's going to be great for fantasy until the day he's gone. Like, you know, Tebow level, like, you know, QB one, that type of thing, lock it in every single week until he loses his job. And, the Eagles, they did trade Joe Flacco, so Gardner Minshew is stepping up into that number two role. I think that Jalen Hurts has been so bad, and I, I don't think, I know, I know Jalen Hurts has been so bad in the first half of games. Minshew's getting a shot. Min, like, 
eventually they're going to get tired of this. Oh, like let's let him lead this comeback just to fall short by two touchdowns. I'm not saying Gardner Minshew gives them the definitely better chance to win, but Jalen Hurts is not putting the Eagles in position position to win games by being down three scores at halftime. No, I I mean, that that was my take right away was that he was going to be a, a great fantasy asset, but he was the best sell high we arguably have ever seen outside of maybe Charles Johnson circa like 2015 or whatever year that was when he had like a thousand yards receiving and then just decided not to show up the following year. But yeah, Jalen Hurts is really bad. He he has entirely, completely and utterly obliterated that Eagles offense. Miles Sanders has been rendered, rendered useless. We get occasional usage out of pass catchers. Uh, it's just not good. It's it's predictable and not good. We get the rushing upside. Awesome. His A dot. I mean, has he peaked over four at any point this year? Like his his throws are atrocious down the field, short, intermediate, whatever it is. He is not good. What we saw week one is not indicative of what Jalen Hurts is as a passer, as a runner, as an anything. Uh, well, he's a good runner. I'll give him that. But um, if this wasn't obvious in college, I, I don't know how much more obvious he can get. He is just an athlete. He is not a quarterback. He is an athlete. Um, put him on that Cordero Patterson game plan. I'm all about it. We got to get the ball out of his hands, though, as, as a quarterback. I do think Gardner Minshew gives them the best chance to win. And I don't think this team is really as bad as they've been looking with Gardner Minshew as the quarterback. They need an actual quarterback. They need to be able to run the ball with their running backs. And uh, it, it's unfortunate for Devonta Smith, I think, uh, as kind of the, the predominant piece here. They spend all of that draft capital on one of the highly touted wide receivers in the class, uh, whether it was Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase, pick your pick your poison. Devonta Smith was right there in the conversation, and and he's just, you know, we're seeing Waddle do okay. We're seeing Jamar Chase absolutely shine, and Devonta Smith is just kind of stuck with the leftovers, whatever whatever his quarterback decides to throw down the field with his 25 attempts for like 88 yards or whatever it's been. Um, I, I just, I don't see this offense going anywhere fast. So as soon as they can get Minshew in here, I think the offense sees an uptick. Um, that's not necessarily good for Minshew, but it's definitely bad for Jalen Hurts, obviously. But, uh, as a whole, I think this team is so much more well-rounded when you have someone that can throw and (laughs) hand off equally as well. All right. So... Before we get into the rest of our show, I want to talk a little bit about the Rotoviz box score scout. So you can get yourself a Rotoviz sub. Uh, the next guy we're talking about is going to be Jamar Chase and his Rotoviz box score scout. It isn't pretty, folks. So he is overcoming the box score scout comparables of <laughs> Kevin White, Darius Hayward Bay, Sammy Watkins, and Ted Ginn, Elijah Moore. And then eventually at, at the score of 48, you get Julio Jones. So you got to work your way down the box score scout to find a good comp for one Jamar Chase. But that shouldn't stop you from getting a Rotoviz subscription. Going to rotoviz.com, promo code RVRadio2021. 10% discount, not 9%, not 8%. They, they sent an email. They said, you know what? We're going to do an 8% discount this week. I said, no. 
our listeners, the Dynasty Street guys deserve better. They deserve a 10% discount for you, for your mother, for your uncle, and for your cousin. Get them that road of a subscription. Christmas is coming up. I, nothing I like to unwrap more in my stocking than a nice Rotoviz subscription. So RV Radio 2021, make sure to get to it. And of course, it supports the podcast. So you like us in your ear holes each and every week. I, you know, stay up past my bedtime, which is 9 p.m. Central Time tonight. Stay up past my bedtime. So you need your Rotoviz subscription. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So while the Rotoviz box score chow is not kind to our friend Jamar Chase, the question after the first few weeks of the season, which are record-breaking weeks, the best start, the best first seven games a career has ever seen. He's going to break all of Mike Evans' records. Jamar Chase, he is wide receiver three on the season after a 34.1 PPR point game this past weekend. Jamar Chase, Dan, is he the dynasty wide receiver one today? Almost. I would say he's wrong on this podcast for no reason. He is most obviously he is. Let's go top three. I'm going to say two. Uh, the only reason being that I still like the upside of Justin Jefferson better. And I also think that T Higgins is better than the 36 year old Adam Thielen or however old he is. Uh, and you still have the JV all-star Tyler Boyd to deal with. So I, I just, the volume is going to be there for Jefferson. dealing with all those people and been eating their well, lunch. That's, that's not true. There's been a decent number of injuries. Obviously Higgins has been out. Boyd, I, I don't think is a hundred percent. Um, but nonetheless, he's obviously, if he's not, if he's not one or one B he's two, he's, he's in the top two. Um, I just am such a fan of Justin Jefferson still. Uh, obviously, you have DK Metcalf up there as well in that conversation, CD Lamb. Um, but AJ yeah, uh, AJ, a, see, I struggle with AJ Brown because of the inconsistencies of Tennessee. Uh, we don't see those inconsistencies as much with Cincinnati, with Minnesota, with and, and Seattle as, as efficient <laughs> and low volume. I mean, they're we so low volume, but they're efficient and, and they just seem to always, he always scores points. So, um, yeah, I mean, Chase, honestly, it's probably one B. I think if you were to, to have me pick out of a hat, whether it was Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, 
I wouldn't be pouting afterwards. I, I would feel like I won in both situations. So I'm not going to naysay anybody that has him at one. I wasn't as sure when we were in September still, uh, but October, I, I don't know if somebody poured him an extra bowl of Wheaties in the morning or what it's been, but he has looked as impressive as you possibly can as a, as a 20, was he 21 year old rookie, 20 year old rookie, 21 year old rookie. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, over the last three weeks, you know, the, to start October off, he went six for one fifty nine and one followed that with a four for 97 and a blowout game scripted out win. Uh, that, that could have been an absolute monster for him if Detroit decided to play football last week. And then this week he shows up with eight for 201 and a touchdown against a, what's been relatively stout Baltimore defense. So, you know, we, we talked about breakout games earlier in the season. Uh, and I think it was week three, maybe you mentioned as his, his quote unquote breakout where he had like 65 yards, but he had two touchdowns. I think this week, if it wasn't week five with his big week, I think this is like a rookie year defining type type game for Jamar Chase. Um, he he looked truly elite and special in this game. There was there was some nitpicky things kind of along the way, but I think he's pretty much where we want him to be as as you know the dynasty wide receiver one. Everything is kind of coming to form, and he is producing. He is performing. He's doing everything we could possibly ask. And in current Dynasty ADP, which was, you know, accumulated at the beginning of October, um, he was being drafted at wide receiver 5, 11 overall. I, I think that when, when November drafts start in the next week or so, that he'll be like 4 or 5 overall hanging around with Justin Jefferson, where he's currently going wide receiver 1. Um, personally, I prefer Joe Burrow to Kirk Cousins, so that's the tiebreaker there. Lamb, I love Lamb. I still think, like, in, in terms of, like, if we were doing the NFL redraft, like, the whole NFL was redrafting, I think that Lamb, like, Lamb, Chase, and Jefferson are three of the first, like, 12 or 15 players off the board. But in terms of Dynasty, it's just harder with Amari Cooper still there. Michael Gallup is eventually going to come back from injury. And they have Zeke and Pollard. So I... The, the fantasy outcomes of Lamb are not going to be as easy to deal with as they are with Chase and Jefferson and to an extent A.J. Brown as well. So I have slot I have slotted in uh, Jamar Chase into my wide receiver one, um, slightly ahead of J- Jamar, uh, Justin Jefferson, and it's mostly because of the Burrow preference over uh, Kirk Cousins. Okay, so here's a question. An old friend of the show, Brian Malone, always said, no player – is worth four firsts. Few players are worth three firsts. Is Jamar Chase today worth four firsts? No, I mean, I, I don't, I, it, no, I wouldn't give up four firsts. And that was uh, Adam Harstad, not my Brian Malone. Um, well, I think they both kind of had the same. Yeah, they, they both have, they both have very weird brains. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I like pretty much only. Like Pat Mahomes and Superflex, and we we could have had a topic of Pat Mahomes' episode. Maybe we'll dive into that if he has another bad week against the Giants next week. Um, but yeah, uh, I think outside of a quarterback and Superflex, I think it's hard to to fork that over. But yeah, Chase, I think he's top two or three asset in non Superflex, and you know top five six asset in, in Superflex. Next, we'll talk some more startup. We're talking lots of startup in October. Very actionable information we're, we got going on here. Kyle Pitts, 
Kyle Pitts. He's obviously like you're living under three different rocks if you don't think Kyle Pitts is now the tight end one in Dice Fantasy Football. That was pretty much evident by like July, even before he stepped on the field. He had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but he has kicked things up in the last few weeks. He is the number one target for Matt Ryan. He is the number one target in that Falcons offense. Calvin Ridley, I know he's been injured a little bit, but definitely having an off year. So, Kyle Pitts, where would you be slotting him in? I guess this is how we'll do it. Um, What running back would you say has similar or the same value as Pitts? And what wide receiver would you say has similar or the same value as Pitts? And we'll talk non-tight end premium, even though most leagues are tight end premium at this point. Um, Well, People are most definitely not going to like my takes on this. Do you do you want to start with your running back first? Yeah, sure. Um, my running back that has similar or equal value to Kyle Pitts would be mm, Najee Harris. So you you have Kyle Pitts as a first round startup. Yes. Pick. Okay. I'm never, ever, in the history of ever, taking a tight end in the first round. Now, we had the discussion in the offseason. Is Kyle Pitts worth the 101? I was more than okay with him being 101 in rookie drafts because of the potential upside. I, I see it. I get it. I understand it. The positional scarcity at tight end. I see it. I get it. I understand it. To draft somebody who averages 14 points a game, let's say, in the first round is it's it's a it's bad process. Like I I get it. You get an advantage over a few people, but is he really that big of an advantage over Mark Andrews and Darren Waller? I know Travis Kelsey's getting a little bit older, but even Noah Fant has been sniffing around those numbers. Mike Gesecki kind of is having this this you know mid-career blow up where he actually is looking like the Mike Gusecki we once thought he would be. Dalton Schultz, a lot of these guys can be had for next to nothing, but they're producing right alongside with this generational Kyle Pitts. And I get it. He is good. He's great. He's most likely elite. But it is the advantage of having this guy actually worth these kinds of picks. Let's think like Let's say, and, and obviously it's a bit unrealistic to project Gronk. So let's let's say like let's say he has Jimmy Graham's career. Like, isn't Jimmy Graham's career for starting at 21 years old worth a first round starter pick? Yes. But in comparison to running backs and and wide receivers that are scoring 20 to 22 points a game. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I, I think that you, you'd have to project five six years in the future for him to stop being worth that price. Sure. I, I just, I, I get it, but I don't get it. I'm never taking him in the first round. I, I think for me, the closer, uh, and it's, it's probably a little bit steep, but I, I'd be looking more in that Antonio Gibson territory. You're top 10. I'm more like 20 ish. Um, mm-hmm. so not like a huge, huge gap. I, I just, I have so much trouble putting so much faith into a position that is, I mean, I mean, it's definitely more replaceable, uh, than running back is running back. We've seen take uh, the, probably the hardest hit we've ever seen it take in fantasy football in a long time at the very least this year. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like running back is arguably more scarce than tight end is. And I know that sounds crazy, but when a lot of these leagues and you need two two running backs and you only need one tight end, 
Uh, I, I know we're most likely going to be taking best player available or best value. I, I just have a really tough time grabbing one tight end before I, I have at least a running back, maybe not, if not two. I'm, I'm such like an, a seventh to 10th round tight end kind of guy that I, I'm, I'm terrible at answering a question like this. And I admit, I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm never going to own a Kyle Pitts share. I never will. I'll never pay a top, a top 20 price. I just know that that's where he belongs because of his actual ability and his upside. And as far as, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was going to say, and as far as like wide receivers go, um, I'd probably have him. I, I, part of me wants to say his <laughs> Antonio Gibson's teammate, Terry McLaurin, but I think I'll go a little bit higher and say DJ Moore. I feel like that kind of fits the bit a little bit better. I feel like Gibson. Yeah, and I, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say Tyreek DJ Moore would be the two that. But I probably have Tyreek lower than most people. So. That's uh, and that's that's decently fair. I feel like Tyreek's been sliding down a little bit as we've seen some of these younger guys uh, doing so much better. Obviously with with Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Jamar Chase, uh, and DK Metcalf, and, and you still have Devonte Adams up there as well. So that's an easy push to move Tyreek down a bit, but. Uh, I, I would guess you and I are probably about a round different on Kyle Pitts. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay never owning a share. Uh, so yeah, don't let that and, stop and, you and, from going and, to buying one. But also, like, to say this, like, I'm also probably never drafting Kyle Pitts in the first round of startup. Like, if right. I'm at the 11th pick and he's the top guy on my board, I'm going to trade back four picks and then take Antonio Gibson or take, you know, somebody else. Like, I'm probably not taking there either. But... I think that's if I was at the 11th pick and I had to take my best player available, it's probably going to end up being someone like Pitts. His, yeah, his cost to acquire or, or your price to sell is going to be in that top 10 category. It's You're never going to be selling and be like, you know what, I guess I'll just take Ezekiel Elliott. Like, no one's doing that. That, that Obviously, there's, there's too much value to be had with Kyle Pitts. Um, and he's probably going to now be close to Jamar Chase as far as you know, not necessarily price wise, but actual attainability, you know, everybody has a price. Sure. But no one's pulling the trigger on a Jamar chase trade right now. And I, I can't imagine anyone's going to be actually selling Kyle Pitts after this week. Alrighty. That should wrap us up for this evening. We'll, maybe we'll get a little bit Colts talk next week and maybe a, this, this is our promise. Maybe, so we we've been recording Tuesday nights the last couple of times. Maybe we should record next Tuesday night too, because <laughs> if Mahomes is bad next week, we might have to like just do sixty minutes on Mahomes being bad. It, this could be a uh, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Who's who's your actual QB one since the King has died? That'll wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadu. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.